What's a value? So interact with one another, talk about that area, say hi, give yourself hugs. Great. Hey, we're in a series, and this will be the last of this particular series that we call Soul Training, Soul Training, in which we began to discover some primary issues in relationship to how we allow our soul to be trained and to train us. We started off with the recognition of the need to learn how to listen, the need to learn how to listen, to submit our will to God. And then when we begin to think with our soul, we begin to establish strategies to help make it take place in our life. So last week we learned about the simple fact that God is pro-choice meaning that he gives us the trump card of choice to deal with all the circumstances and chemistry and all the variety of issues of life and lays it out for us and says, look, I give you this special card to use if you're willing to use it. As we remind ourselves, that's the old Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So we begin to understand that that's the trump card. That's the card of choice in which we deal with all the different issues of life that we will encounter and the struggles uh, that we'll have to deal with ourselves. Now today, what I want to do is I want to kind of encapsulate these thoughts and ideas as we look at what our values are as Lighthouse Church. Now, over the last 10 years, we've been working through a series of things to determine what are our primary values that we hold on to as a church body. What are our values as a unique relational group of people that are called in this Orange County area in Costa Mesa itself, and how do those values work themselves out? And over a period of time with the elders and after retreat after retreat after retreat, we came up with these five values, and we did what I always like to do, those of you that know me, was I put together an acronym with it. So the term LIGHT, L-I-G-H-T, seemed to fit, in relationship to five primary values that reflect who we are and who we want to be. As we lay out that concept or those series of ideas, I want to talk today about how that is fleshed out in everyday living and in church focus and uh, presentation. You see... God has laid out for us directives that he intends for us to follow and that he wants for us to do, but only too often the praise of men comes at the cost of our integrity or the loss of our values. So uh, I, I even find various times, Mary and I, we know the area quite well, so I'm in various markets around here, and I'll meet people, and we're talking and sharing. Inevitably, uh, at least two or three times a year, I'll come up on somebody, and we'll be talking, and they'll, they'll say, oh, I'm a Christian, and I say, where do you go to church at? And they go, Lighthouse. <laughs> and I go, oh, really? What Lighthouse? They go, oh, Lighthouse Coastal Community. I say, you mean over there on Santa Ana and 17th? Yeah. Are you attend there? Oh, Yeah. I go, oh, great. I'll see you this Sunday. Oh, you go there too? <laughs> and I say, yeah, you'll see me if you come. <laughs> I leave it right there. I leave it right there. I don't go any farther. I just, Mary and I walk off and she just, she, she'll, it just, it's just funny how God will do that to you, you know. Oh, you know, for many of us, we find ourselves often stumbling in the darkness, meaning that we find ourselves caught up in things that bring darkness into our life rather than bring light into our light. So what we have to do when we're in that kind of 
gloomy spot is we need to take a closer look at what are our values really that we're holding on to and say, you know, these are values that I hold that are very, very distinct and that I don't want to let go of. So when I find myself in that position, I'm able to pull back and say, no, 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 no. That is not who I am or who I was called to be. I'm able to resist that situation because I have an understanding of what these values are. And our goal as leaders of this church is to help you become a better person, okay? to help you understand basic values that God wants you to have in your life, that if you begin to implement those, you will experience more and more light in your life. Stability, awareness, guidance, purpose, all these wonderful words that we use. Now, what we want to do primarily is to provide you with opportunities to develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and relationships with one another that help you to grow and develop into a mature and delightful person that you really are, but sometimes you fail to let that out uh, simply because you haven't yielded to the values that God wants to place in your life. So we provide some insights and some directives that allow the Spirit of God to stimulate you and to change you and, as we use the term, to transform you into the very likeness of Christ himself as he exists in you. And that is what we are as a church. That's what we're about. So what I want to do today is talk about these light values, and we're going to throw some little media clips up to show you some kind of big times that we expressed these particular things over last year. Uh, we did it in many, many ways other than this. But these are just some, some major ones that stood out for 2012. And this is kind of our end-of-the-year message. Look what we did last year, some of the things that we liked. Uh, we won't present the ones we didn't like. We'll leave those out. Okay? So I'll just show you the ones uh, that we act like. So this is our verse uh, for the day. And if you haven't memorized it yet, it should be a verse that you want to place in your heart and remind yourself of, and it goes like this, like this, doesn't sound like it's up there, uh, so maybe it's, maybe we don't have the verse, there it is, what do you know, it just took our media guy a second longer to get it, now let's read it together, will you, for you are all children of the light and of the day, and we don't belong to darkness and night. So you are children of the light and you are children of the day. Whether you recognize it or not, you have been born into this new community. And as you live out that day and life and light, then you experience that reality of who you are. Show your light on a regular basis. Jesus said you are the light of the world. So don't hide your light. He says don't hide it. Let it shine. Let it out. Let it be seen. So... The series of light values, the first one and probably the predominant one is one that Jesus said over and over again, this has to be the dominant value in your life. And that's where we start off with the L. And everyone's got your outlines out. If you haven't got them out, pull them out. It'll help you go along. So the L stands for what? Okay, what? No, it's not for light. I heard some of you say light. No, the L stands for a value, which is loving. Okay, loving. So L stands for loving. The first and primary value that we hold on to as a church body is that we are called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as yourself. That is the first primary value that we have as a church body. But someone said, what is love? Four different Greek words for love in the, in the Bible are expressed. Okay? One is the eros love, and that simply means uh, you alone. 
Okay? And that means I love you, whoever it is that you're talking to, this particular person that you will find yourself passionate and overwhelmed with. And you look at their picture and you go, oh, my, I can't stand being away from you. And you do things like that that are really silly and but funny, but that's what Eros love does to you, all right? And then we have phileo love, and this is a close friendship. This is the kind of love that says this is the person that I really enjoy being with, you know, interacting with, playing sports with, yelling at the TV on all the refs for such a lousy call they made on that, that particular play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're the person that shows up when you're struggling, the person that helps you when you're working. That's phileo love. And you say, man, I really love him like a brother would be the term. And then we have storge love, storge, which... Um, uh, Eric talked about this a long time ago, and he said, this is kind of the blanket love, meaning my blanket, okay? My blanket for your kids. Don't touch it. Don't move it. This is mine. So this is a self-love focus, and what it refers to is the issue of, I call it me alone love. Me alone love. Sometimes we say, let me alone. And what you're really saying is, I want to immerse myself in this selfish love. It won't be meaningful to you. You just think it will. It won't work. It's a false idea of what love is. Then the last type of love is the word called agapeo, agapeo, or agape love, if you want to use that term there. And it's referring to a love for friends and for children, for God and for others. It's a sacrificial love. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave, exactly. So it's a giving love. So this love doesn't think about himself or herself, thinks about others. It's always involved in that process of giving in relationship to the needs of those around them. It's God's love that overflows through us. He says that when you love in this manner, you are actually allowing me to love uh, through you. It's a sacrificial, selfless action. You don't think about it. You just do the right thing. Over and over, you hear people say they're a hero, and they say, what did you think of to do that? And you say, I didn't think about anything. I just did the right thing. I just did what you're supposed to do. And all they did was they experienced the love of God flowing through them, and they acted on that. And that is agapeo love. Now, Interesting enough, in this agapeo love, in 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us there's four primary aspects of agapeo love because sometimes people say to me, pastorally, how do I know if this particular love is the love that I'm experiencing and expressing? Well, it says there's four primary aspects. One, this love always, the scripture says, always protects. Always protects. It covers over, keeps secure. It's a shelter from the rain, which we don't deal with much, but we have these last few days. Well, you love having that umbrella that keeps you from getting wet. That's what this love does. It keeps you from getting wet in the rain. Second of all, it always trusts. No matter what, it trusts. Someone said, when one person cries, the other person tastes salt. That's that love. That's a love that trusts, that's involved in, that cares for, that does whatever is necessary. They always trust. Thirdly, this love always hopes, expects great things, looking forward to the next day, not concerned about yesterday or anxious about tomorrow, but focus right now. How can I love you now? And fourthly, it always perseveres. See, this love never, ever gives up. It never gives up. It always keeps going. It's what we call love at last sight. Not first look. Love at last sight, not 
first look. As someone said, it's easy to fall in love, but it's hard to find someone who will catch you. It's easy to fall in love, but it's hard to find someone who will catch you. But that's the love of God. It's a love that says we're married and we look forward to all these things that God has in mind as we continue to evolve together in our lives and our interactions with others. Not, I'm stuck with you. Oh, bummer. I picked too early. I was too young. Or I was too old. Or, I, you know, we go through all these series of nonsensical concepts and ideas of the person that God has brought into our life that we're called to be married to. It's not a buffet love, but it's always looking for how God will use the opportunity to give as you interact with it. You choose to love God. You choose to love God. And then the flip side of this love picture here of loving others and loving God is loving yourself. Because the amazing thing is when you learn to love in this manner and learn to love others in this manner, for the first time I remember in my life when I finally learned how to do this, I actually loved Lee. I actually liked Lee. I said, you know something? You're pretty likable. This is great. You're doing the right thing for a change. What do you know? And suddenly inside of me, this God person said, good job. And my self-esteem began to grow in reality because I said, you know, I can love and I am lovable. And love is the only self-energizing element in the universe. As you give it away, you always get it back. As you give it away, you always get it back. So we're called as a church to be loving. That's our number one value is to be loving. Our number two value is the I, and that's inviting inviting. Again, there's always a flip side, a basic side and a flip side. The scripture says, then at the resurrection of the godly, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. And you could circle that could not repay, could not repay, because you think God's going to reward us for inviting those that can't. But no, God says, I'm going to reward you for inviting those who could not repay. I uh, think of Jesus. He's was rather like I, I thought of uh, Matt Barkley more year before last than last year, but where he was the hero of the campus. He was the guy that everybody wanted to be around. And when he would walk into the cafeteria area of USC, everybody wanted to sit by Matt. And Matt would choose, and he does, by the way, to find those who were awkward and ugly and didn't have all their act together that everybody else was avoiding, and he would intentionally go to their table and sit with them. Because others would say, Matt, why would you do that? He would say, hey, God's called me to those who cannot repay me. And so he's involved in this, and suddenly these people become the new cool people. Because his coolness just kind of goes off. And that's what happens with us with Jesus. See, he gathers us in and he invites us in and he cares for us. And suddenly, I, who was kind of a loser, you know, and a drug guy and all this, suddenly I became one of the cool people. It was kind of cool. It's like, wow, I get to be that. I get to be like part of God's people. This is great. This is a good thing. I like this. I really like this. And that's the inviting aspect. We invite people to come with us. And we want them to share with us, and they don't have to be 
cool. In fact, in many ways, I don't even want him to be cool. I just want him to feel invited. And so that's a primary aspect of this church, that we are a church who invite people. And the flip side is that we're inviting. And that means that we are kind of like the Matt Barclays of the world and that we're the kind of people other people would like to be a part of. They recognize in you values and integrity. They recognize in you those things that they want to have in their own life. And they say, I want to be a part of that. And we say, well, come on in. Be a part. Interact with us. Learn what God has to speak to you. And in this aspect of, of inviting, it's who we are and what we're saying. Telling people the story of Jesus, the good news. As uh, Paul the Apostle would say, I could not have been a worse person, and yet God invited me in. And he loved me and cared for me. And that's the good, good news. Uh, one of the things that we try to do every year, and we're going to be doing it in February 23rd this year, is we try to reach out to those that other people don't want to deal with. Let's watch this clip. Little guy there, little Bundy. Uh, Susan just turned to me and she said, yeah, the boys love so much doing this that they give up their outing to go to Boy Scout outing. They'd rather come here than do the camping thing. They just said, they just so much enjoy. Um, inviting those who can't repay us. But it doesn't end there with loving and inviting. We're to be grace-filled, graceful people. And that's our next value that we say we have as a church body. Uh, you've been saved by grace through believing. And you didn't save yourself. It was a gift from God. And so we give that gift to others around us. We're not to be just grace takers, which is giving, taking that which God has given us. But we're to be defined by our grace our grace given one to another over and over and over again. Because grace is not something we deserve. It's not something that we earn. It's something that you give. Because God has given you grace as well. So you become a billboard of mercy, heavenly position, spiritually alive, connected to the Father, an honored child. I've been saved. By grace. So I give grace to you as well. I'm a grace taker, but I'm also a grace giver. I begin to throw out forgiveness and hope and faith and peace to those around me because that's the grace that God has called me to give. And I look for opportunities to share with others. As I said, I can't be everything to everyone, but I can be something to someone. And that's grace. As God gives you an opportunity, we show it one to another. We're people who are graceful. So we said loving and inviting and graceful and holy. And that's the area we're focusing on this year, this issue of holiness. Understand that you are to be holy in all that you do, just as God, the one who called you, is holy. To be holy means to be peculiar. It's a specialness. It's something that only you can do. A chosen vessel. It means to be set apart by God. You've been chosen by God, filled with His Spirit, so that you can be involved in something that is completely different than anybody else can be involved in. A transformation that takes place within you. And as that takes place, you become different. Your part on the journey is different than my part. I don't know where you're at on your journey, although if I get to know you, I can figure it out. 
But the issue becomes we choose holiness in our life process. And we start becoming different as the Spirit sets us apart. And we find ourselves meditating on God. We find ourselves memorizing His Word. And we find ourselves taking a look at ourselves introspectively about our morality, both in attitudes and in actions. And we asked ourselves, am I doing the right thing? Am I involved in that which God has told me to be involved in? And then perhaps the flip side of peculiar is I call prayer. And that's the part where I now have the opportunity to literally talk and interact with God, and he will interact with me. That as I'm involved in this prayer, sometimes it's worship, like this morning as Justin leads us, and we find ourselves calling out to God, and we're interacting with him, and he's interacting with us, and we have special feelings and special awareness. And prayer becomes a, a lifeline for us. We don't just pray for ourselves, but we pray for those around us. We pray that God will move and touch them in a special way. We influence those by simply saying something like, can I pray for you? Would you like for me to pray for you? Let's pray. <laughs> and so you get on the phone and somebody says to me, you know, Pastor, we really need to pray for this issue. This thing's going on. Well, let's do it. And so we pray right there. And we become people of prayer because we know that it's only as we ask that is given to us. So we learn to listen and to ask and to rest and to be quiet. Be holy because your Father is holy. You see, holiness is a relational thing. Let's watch this clip uh, from Mexico. All these different sets of values, and then we find ourselves coming down to the very last one, and that simple word, true. Now, I didn't use truth. I used true because it's both aspects of both truth and being transparent or true to yourself and true to others that are around you. You are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings, and then you'll know the truth, and that truth will set you free. Obey God. Obey truth, because that is how God has put life together. It's the truth about life, that there is evil and there is good, there is a purpose and there is eternity. So we use the keys that God has given us to unlock the truth from God's word, and we follow and we encounter the results of following the teachings of God himself. So Jesus is talking to all these people, these Jewish people who have been deceived, and he's saying you can discover truth if you're willing to embrace it, to come to know the truth that I'm teaching you. It will set you free from the lies that you have previously believed. And it's the same thing for us. We believe all these lies. We've been caught up in the series of fantasies that are thrown our way. And Jesus says, if you'll follow my truth, if it is the sinner that's penetrating your heart, then you'll no longer be in darkness, but you'll begin to experience light. You'll begin to see what is true, and you begin to experience this truth so that you no longer stay in this, what I call, I don't want to believe syndrome. I don't want to believe. And you say, well, what is that? Well, in our relationships, I don't want to hear the negatives. It may mess up my dreams and my plans. I, I don't want to hear that this is a problem. I don't want to hear about that bill. I don't want to hear about this issue. 
And Jesus says, you need to deal with the truth, reality that's before you. See, I want to believe in spite of the truth. Jesus says, I walk in light, not in darkness, in truth, not in lies. We deal with the issues that he places in front of us, not the illusion that we want to deal with. And that's the cry of, of truth. We don't celebrate with great bonuses when we're getting ready to fall into bankruptcy. Instead, we deal with the difficult truth. We don't turn a blind eye to God's calling in our life. And we don't begin to believe that if I put a blanket over me, the boogeyman won't get me. And you remember those days, don't you? And we do the same thing as adults. Jesus says, don't hide under the blanket. Let your light shine. Let the truth be seen and heard and experienced. And I will send you the spirit of truth. And when he comes, he will lead you and guide you unto all other truth. This new life, this series of epiphanies that take place. Or as he said in verse 31, once you obey the truth, then you will be set free and no longer caught up in these series and struggles of lies. We went to Africa this year. We ran into a place that can oftentimes be very, very dark, and we experienced some light in our own lives and began to see life as it truly is, not as we wanted it to be. Let's watch a clip. That was a big deal for me because I just went back to Africa in my mind. (laughs) You got to experience those things all over again. It seems like so long ago. Um, We won't be going to Africa this year. We're hoping, however, to bring Jerry up here. That's the person who you heard singing and who shared the the story about the fish in the well. That's the same person. He has uh, had some great gifts. So we're hoping we're going to be able to bring him up. It's a little cheaper to bring one than it is to send down, you know, 12 or 14 of us uh, in the other area here. So we talk about all these uh, different things. And by the way, we'll have two different opportunities for Mexico this year as well that we'll get to get involved in. So you'll be able to share in that area. One will be a trip over. Another one will be a set up here. And Eric will talk about more of that a little bit later. Uh, the last thing that maybe we interact with is that we try to reach out to our community and talk about how God has changed our lives. And oftentimes we do this by interacting with a variety of, of people and children and families talking about the cards that we've been dealt and how God, in the midst of that, miraculously provides us with the wonderful trump card of choice. And by the power of his Holy Spirit and our choosing, we find our lives changed. And that's the last aspect and the wonderful aspect of truth. And that's the truth of life, that you get to choose. God will give you the ability and the opportunity and the availability but you get to choose before him. It's called the freedom of life. So the last clip we're going to watch before we finish off our time together uh, is a fun one that we had, and that we call uh, it's called VBS. Under what? And that's it, folks. <laughs> ah, God has given us a wonderful clarification in terms of how we're to live out life and a set of values. So we're going to close up the service today. I'm going to ask Justin to come up. We're going to take our offering, and you're going to fill out those prayer things real quick. Get that connections card out. What is your prayer request? Fill it out. 
Get ready. Your passion is the offering is going to be passed. We'll give you a minute or so to fill that out and get ready. Some of you have special gifts you need to give to the Lord that he's told you to set aside for. Do that as well. This is your chance. So we're going to sing a song. Think about these values. And what I hope you will do is you'll make a determination in your heart and choose to make them your values as well. That when other people say to you, you know, why do you go to Lighthouse Coastal Community? You might say something like this. Well, we have a set of values that are expressed by light that we try to live by. And then you begin to walk through loving and inviting and grace-filled and holy and true. And you can be proud (laughs) that you're part of a church that strives to exhibit those values. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit has come into our life and taught us what life is all about. And we pray today that as we have seen these things and visualized before us, as we've heard the truth expressed in your word, that you might grant us today a renewal, a cleansing from sin and a renewal of life. Today, Lord, we want another chance. Uh, We want to live this year a life that reflects light. We come to you. We ask. Let it happen. In Jesus' name we pray.